Class is now in session. You chewing gum, spit it out. Sally and Susie, stop talking. If you are not taking notes, stop texting in my class. <laughs> Just kidding. No, not really. Don't text in my class. <laughs> I'm just having a little bit of fun, because um, I don't have any lame jokes for you guys. Last time, Pastor Luke was not amused by my evangelist joke. <laughs> <laughs> Northwest family, we are glad to see you this morning. Visitors here in the room, welcome, welcome, welcome. And for those of you tuning in online, um, thank you for tuning in and watching. For those of you who do not know who I am, my name is Raven Moody. I'm on the board of directors here at Mercy Road Church Northwest. I'm on the prayer team, and I'm also one of the co-facilitators for the Called Women Outpost. Um, speaking of called women, we had an amazing time last night at the IF Gathering Conference. It's so funny how God works. Actually, um, even though I was on the planning community, I really hadn't watched very many of the videos. And um, I realized yesterday that a lot of what they shared was right in alignment with what I'm gonna share with you guys today. So I'm excited. Um, if you do not have your notes out, go ahead and do that now before I pray while I'm talking. Um, why, you may ask? Because just like when you're in school, if you go to class, you never take notes, you only hear the material one time, you're gonna forget it. And then you won't be prepared when the test comes. And life has a funny way of testing you, especially when you least expect it. If you don't have pen and paper, that's okay. You can scan the seat back in front of you um, and they will take, it will take you to the sermon notes. While you guys are doing that, I am going to share a little story. Um, so my sophomore year in college, I had a professor named Morgan, and Morgan comes in first day of school, and she's like, no, this is not a joke. I am your professor. And we're looking at her like, okay. So she comes in, she's got on overalls and a t-shirt and some Converse and these big square glasses, and she looks like she's only a couple years older than us. Well, in Morgan's class, eventually throughout the semester, she ends up asking me, Raven, why are you in my class? And I told her that it was because I had failed this class my freshman year. One, I had had a really, really hard first semester, ended up depressed. Second, I don't like homework. When I go home, this is my time, so forget you and your homework. <laughs> my mom was a testimony. I was like that in high school. But I realized over time that if I actually did the work at home, it made the rest of it easier. I could go into school and write a five-page paper in an hour if I had just did the work at home. And I also was a really good test taker, but I had to do the work. Don't be like college raven, never going, uh, sometimes going to class, but never doing the work when you leave. Doing the work will help you do better on the test. Now, what I didn't tell you guys is that I didn't just fail a preliminary English class. My first semester in college, I had a 0.4 GPA. <gasps> I'm not kidding. Like, literally, I had a 0.4 GPA because I stopped going to class. I let life get the best of me. I had checked out. I would go to school because I was living at home, and I didn't want my mom to ask why I wasn't in school. So I went and just went through the motions. Some of you, you come to class but you don't do the work when you go home. Some of you very rarely, if ever, come to class. You've checked out of your spiritual growth process. But today, if you rend your heart, 
and to the leading of the Holy Spirit and engage in the spiritual formation process outside of Sunday mornings, I believe that the Holy Spirit will show up and show you what growth and transformation looks like in your life. For those that are wondering what happened to me, I was depressed, but I got desperate for God because I knew that that type of depression could only, I could only become out of it through God. I checked back in to life and I checked back into school. I got a 3.575 the second semester, and because I took a couple classes over, I was miraculously taken off academic probation. I went on to receive a full-ride scholarship, and although life had its ebbs and flows, my life and my walk with God changed forever. That day was April 3rd, 2011, and I've been growing spiritually ever since. I want to encourage you today to take the initiative in your walk with God. Give him your yes. Seek him with all your heart and watch him show up in your life. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And today when I'm finished, we're going to create space just for that, for us to seek him with all our hearts. All right, family, let's pray. Family Father, we thank you for this morning, God. We thank you for bringing us together because your word lets us know that when we are gathered together in your name that you are in the midst of us. God, we just ask you and invite you into this place this morning, Father. We pray that you would fill it up, Father. We pray for a fresh wind, a fresh anointing, Father, that your Holy Spirit would move on the inside of us, God. I pray that our hearts would not be rocky ground, would not be thorny ground, but it would be good ground, God, that your word would take root, Father, that we would be able to live it out in our day-to-day lives, God. Holy Spirit, have your way. This is your space. This is your church. We are your church. And so, God, we just create space for you to show up however you see fit this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So that was a pretty dramatic story, right? 0.4? Not even half a point. <laughs> uh, yeah, crazy time in my life, but literally God brought me through. So I'm going to be honest. Like Pastor Luke said last week, I'm still on a spiritual high from Easter. There's such a beauty and a power to the resurrection story. Just like Jesus got out of his tomb, he will help you get out of yours too. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Today we want you to be free. I'm believing in the resurrection power today to show up in this room. Again, today we're in a series called Masterclass. Last week, Pastor Luke discussed Jesus being revealed as prophet, and today I'm going to talk about Jesus being reconciled as priest. So what does it mean to be reconciled? Reconciled means to restore friendly relations between or to settle a quarrel. Sin entered the world through the sin of Adam and Eve, and it put a strain on mankind's connection with God. But our relationship with God was restored through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Romans 5 and 1 tells us that Christ makes us right with God, not being a good person, not do, by doing good things. It is through our faith in Jesus Christ, through his death, burial, and resurrections that we are made right and reconciled with God. In the Bible days, there was a lot of turmoil about Jesus. If he was truly the Messiah, if he was truly called by God, and if he had the religious authority to say the bold and audacious things that he often said. But Pastor Luke taught us last week that Jesus often said the things that were guided by the Father. They weren't led by his own fleshly nature. God was telling Jesus what to say. Some of the most highly educated priests and religious leaders of that 
of that day were offended by Jesus. But today we're going to explain why he was just as priestly and actually even more priestly than the religious leaders of that day. The quarrel about who Jesus was was not only reconciled and settled, but we were reconciled back to God. So again, today we're going to talk about Jesus being reconciled as priest. So what is a priest? According to BibleStudyTools.com, a priest is one who is duly authorized to minister in sacred things, particularly to offer sacrifices at the altar, and who acts as a mediator between men and God. Again, a priest is one who is duly authorized to minister in sacred things, particularly to offer sacrifices at the altar, and who acts as a mediator between men and God. Now, since we're in a master class, I'm going to teach you guys some ABCs. Y'all ready? A is for arbitrator. Say it with me. A is for arbitrator. So what is an arbitrator? It is a liaison appointed to mediate between two parties. So our word under arbitrator is liaison. If you can't read up here, it's fine. It's on the um, screens. Two... Jesus, as priest, was a benefaction. Say it with me. B is benefaction. Benefaction means gift. Ah, can't spell. He was a gift. Jesus' sacrificial atonement on the Christ was a gift from God that led to us being reconciled to God. C, commissioner. Say it with me. C is for commissioner. What is a commissioner? A commissioner is someone appointed or authorized to do a task. It is a representative of the supreme authority in an area. So with commissioner, we're going to say he's authorized. So as an arbitrator, he was a liaison. As a benefaction, he was a gift. And as commissioner, he was authorized. So stick with me, because I'm actually going to teach these ABCs backwards, and I'll explain why later. C, Jesus as priest was a commissioner. We as believers know that God is the supreme authority, not only in heaven, but here on earth and over the universe. Jesus was commissioned by God in eternity past before the earth was ever created. Raven, how do you know? Because Jesus was the living word. And John 1 and 1 tells us that in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was commissioned by God to be the living word. And again, one of the roles of the priest is someone duly authorized to minister in sacred things. We learned last week, again, that he spoke the things of God. And unless you know Jesus, you can't really know God. By no other name, no other God, or no other belief can you get to God except through Jesus Christ. John 14 and 6 says, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 5 through 10. In the same way, Christ did not take upon himself the glory of becoming high priest. But God said to him, you are my son. Today I have become your father. And he says in another place, you are the priest forever in the order of the Melchizedek. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son, though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. 
And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him and was designated by God to be high priest in the order of the Melchizedek. Jesus did not assign himself to become priest. God, who is the supreme and almighty God, placed that call and authority on Jesus. Jesus was chosen and authorized by God not only to minister in sacred things, but to uproot the religious system of that day that said that law was more important than relationship with God. See, Jesus was commissioner, commissioned by God. B, Jesus as a priest was a benefaction. Benefaction, again, means gift. One of the roles of priests was to offer sacrifices. Jesus' death and sacrifice on the cross was a gift to all people. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God gave his son for your sins, for my sins. It was a one-time and impermanent deal. No other animal and no person will ever have to be sacrificed again. Pastor Luke told us last week that God doesn't change, but his method can. Before, animals were sacrificed, but Jesus is the final sacrifice that will stand true for eternity. Hebrews 7, verses 24 through 27 because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood, therefore is able to completely, excuse me, to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest truly meets our needs, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the nations. Unlike other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins, then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. Jesus was the sacrifice that atoned for every sin that you could ever commit. Priests, they offer sacrifices to God, and the sacrifice Jesus made was a gift to all who believe in him. So, quick recap. Jesus as priest was commissioned by the supreme authority, God. And Jesus as priest made a sacrifice that was a gift to all of mankind, who chooses to believe in him. Now, A, Jesus as arbitrator. An arbitrator means that Jesus as priest was a liaison appointed to mediate between two parties, us and God, to settle our differences. If you've heard me preach before, I normally save my favorite point for last. Now, this is a masterclass, so I'm getting ready to dive deep, so stay with me. In biblical days, priests made sacrifice to atone or make amends to God for their sins and the sins of the people. Well, the way they did that was that they would take a spotless animal and kill it or sacrifice it. Let me take a little deeper. Once a year on a day called Yom Kippur, or the Day of Atonement, they would take the blood of the animal into the temple and sprinkle it on something called the mercy seat to ask for forgiveness for themselves and the people who followed them. In the temple, there was a place called the Most Holy Place, and there was a place called the Holies of Holies. The Holies of Holies was separated from the rest of the temple by a veil. It was a huge, thick curtain that was beautiful and had cherubim on it. The cherubim were placed on the veil as representation of the cherubim that guarded the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve were kicked out. Again, the veil separated the Most Holy Place from the Holies of Holies. The Holies of Holies is where the Ark of the Covenant and the presence of God was said to reside. This barrier, this veil was a barrier that exemplified 
the difference and the barrier between us and God. And only the high priest could go beyond the veil once the atonement was made because God was too pure to look upon sin or evil. There was even a ritual that priests had to do. They had to wash before the atonement. They had to change their garments, among other things. And I'm not going to get too much deeper into that, but I'm just giving you some background. There was a lot that priests had to go through to atone for their sins and the sins of the people. Y'all with me? Because it's about to get good. So basically, what I, to sum up what I just said, priests had to make a sacrifice and go through a very serious cleansing process before they could ever enter the presence of God. Hebrews 9, verses 11 through 15. But when, Jesus, when Christ came as a high priest of the good things that are now here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that was not made with human hands, that is to say, is not a part of this creation. He did not enter by means of blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who were ceremonially unclean sanctify them so they are not outwardly, so they are now outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who is the eternal spirit, offered himself unblemished to God? Cleanse our consciences from acts that led to death so that we may serve the living God. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. How many people know what happened during the Easter story regarding the presence of God? Let's find out. Matthew 7 verses 27 verses 50 through 51 says, when Jesus cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split. When Jesus died, the veil was torn. The veil being torn symbolized no longer needing a priest to get access to God. Jesus settled the difference between us and God so that we would have direct access to God. We no longer have to go to a priest to sacrifice for us or to atone for us. His sacrifice became the atonement for all sin forever. This means that we don't have to go to a church and, and, and get, get, go to a priest and confess. Jesus not only became the spotless and blameless sacrifice, he became the priest. It is through Jesus Christ that we have been made right with God. It is through Jesus Christ that we have direct access to God. I can go into the holies of holies. I can go into the inner courts and dwell in the secret place of God. Some of you have been trying to build a relationship with God and can't seem to figure out why you can't get into his presence. Some of you have been struggling for so long, but you don't realize that you've got to direct access to God. Some of you have a deep longing and desire to enter the presence of God, but his arms are open, wide open, waiting for you. Know that the quarrel for your sins was settled. The difference was settled. I am now his daughter. You are now his daughter. You are now his son. And when you confess your faults to Jesus, our high priest, and you seek the presence of God, he shows up. I don't care if it's 2 p.m. in the afternoon or 2 o'clock in the morning. You got direct access to God. Now, I want you today to confess your sins to God by spending time getting closer to him. Not just confessing your sins, but spending time in prayer, spending time reading your word, and spending time through worship. Jesus is your high priest. He is the arbitrator. He mediated and still to this day mediates on your behalf. 
The Bible says that he sits at the right hand of God interceding for us. Interceding means to intervene on behalf of another. Hebrews chapter 4 verses 14 through 16 says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we confess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who was tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. At the end of this service, we will each go to the throne of grace and receive his mercy and seek his face. And however the Holy Spirit chooses to show up and move throughout the rest of this service, we're going to let him have his way. Jesus, being priest, made a sacrifice that was a gift. It settled the dispute between us and God. It settled the distance that sin created. But we all, we all have weaknesses. We all fall short. But Jesus, our high priest, helps us in our weaknesses. I was doing a devotional a few weeks ago called The Way God Loves You. And I mentioned something called the believer's bar of soap. When Jesus died, it made us right with God, but there is a component of confession that is necessary. Not because God doesn't know what you did. Like when you're married, and I'm going to use this terminology because we are the bride of Christ, but when you're married and you do something wrong, it doesn't mean that you are no longer legally married. But there has been a breach in the connection, in the intimacy between you and your partner. But when you confess it, when you acknowledge what you've done and you apologize, restoration can begin. We don't stop being his bride when we sin. It doesn't take away our eternal life, but it can put a strain or a distance in our walk and our intimacy with him. But thanks to the gift of Jesus Christ, the sacrifice that he made, the veil was torn and we can go straight to God and ask for forgiveness for our sins. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can go to the Father except through me. He became the bridge that reconciled us back to God. You cannot get to God through Allah, Buddha, Muhammad, the universe, crystals, an unnamed higher power, or any other way to get to salvation and to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. With God, you need Jesus Christ. When man, Adam and Eve, sinned, they no longer had an intimate and close relationship with God. They were put out of the garden, but through another man, Jesus Christ's sacrifice, we were made right. And as I close, I want us to spend some time sacrificing, uh, confessing our sins and seeking his presence. As you seek him, be reminded that you are not only forgiven, you are loved. You don't need a priest. Jesus is your priest. Today we're going to confess. I don't care if you're sleeping with someone who is not your spouse. I don't care if you are struggling with lust or pornography. I don't care if you smoked weed, you woke up high this morning or drunk or on hard drugs. I don't care if you are struggling with lying or gossiping. I don't care if you are a rebellious teen that feels like no one uh, understands you so you act out. I don't care if you cussed your kids out this week. I don't care if you got into it with your spouse and you were mean. Confess it. If you have an idol in your heart, confess Confess it. I don't care if you're jealous of someone or you have pride in your heart. Confess it. If you are angry on the inside and you find yourself in outbursts of anger, confess it. If you use profane language, confess it. If God told you to do something you have not done it, it is rebellion according to James 4 and 17. Confess it. No matter what it is that you are dealing with today, you want to confess your sins to God and ask you to help him get it right. We're going to repent today. 
And repenting is not just asking for forgiveness. It's turning away from those things and turning back to him. God loves you and his arms are open, wide open. When you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and Savior, that he died on the cross, not only for your sins, but that you would have eternal life, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8 and 11 says, this says the same spirit that rose Jesus from the grave is the same spirit living on the inside of you. Receive that spirit. Receive that gift. Walk in that gift. Walk out the salvation of, of your sins, then knowing that you have been forgiven by the Father. In a few moments, a song will play, and when it does, I want each of us to begin to confess, to go to the throne of grace. Don't leave this service not knowing that if you walk outside these doors, God forbid something happened that you don't know where you'd end up. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, confess your sins and know that according to Romans 10 verses 9 through 10, that as you confess with your mouth and believe that he is Lord, that he died on the cross and rose, that you are now saved. Each of us who confess and believe in him, we are saved, we are justified through the blood of Jesus Christ. There's someone here that's feeling like you've done something that's too bad, you've sinned too many times, but the Bible says in Romans 8 and 33, who can be accuser of the brother and no one, for we are justified through the blood of Jesus Christ. There is no sin that God cannot release you from. Know that there is power in the blood of Jesus. Class, class is not over. Church, class is still in session. Jesus, as high priest, he became our mediator. He became the sacrifice, and he was authorized by God.